0: This is the first time presented by Track Brewing Company.
1: We had to take like significant, meaningful actions in two thousand twenty-three to allow our business to um, uh, to 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 exist to a degree. You know, we weren't we weren't losing money; we weren't likely to fall into administration. Um, But certainly I can, I could see the writing on the wall, the the track of trajectory with our depleting, decreasing margin, there would be a point that can only go on for so long before (laughs) you've run out of margin.
0: Hello, and welcome back to The Thirst Time, the show that takes a deep dive into the careers and journeys of some of the most creative minds in the craft beer industry today. So uh, it's been a minute. I feel like I'm always apologising in these intros for <laughs> for not being able to do more. Yeah, uh, my friend Tom, who used to produce the episodes, has just had a baby. It's really busy at the brewery. Lots going on. So, yeah, sadly, this takes a little bit of a backseat, um, even though it's something I love very much to do. Anyway, uh, just thought I'd fill you in on that. But today... I catch up with Bruce Gray of Left Handed Giant now this is the third time Bruce has been on the podcast Um, and I sent him a message at the end of 2023 just saying, oh, our episode in January was the most listened to one we had done that year and he said, how about we have another catch up in January Uh, and I was like, yes. That's a good idea. I don't know if you remember the last episode, but basically we kind of talked about the 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 situation in our industry and the problems we foresaw coming down the road. So we thought with this episode we'll kind of catch up and talk about what's gone on since then. Obviously a lot's gone on since then, and it hasn't really got any better. In fact, in some ways it's got a lot worse, and we've seen a lot more closures of breweries. Um, And also, it was just a great opportunity to listen to Bruce, who is, you know, just so thankful to have someone so honest and willing to discuss, you know, what it takes to be a brewery in the modern kind of craft beer scene. Um, So there was loads of insights, you know, speculation as well. We kind of go all over the map. But it was loads of fun. And again, I'm so appreciative to have someone like Bruce who's willing to to really kind of dig in. Um and I hope that it gives you guys a better insight. If you're not part of the Bruin scene, a better insight into exactly what it takes to 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 be in this game. <laughs> uh some stress. Uh but lots of happy moments too. Anyway, I digress. Uh okay, so You are listening to Track Brewing Co presents the first time, and this is our interview with Bruce Gray. I was just literally having a a listen to our episode um, from a year ago, and it's just like eerily relevant still. You realize how little actually happens in a year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh God! Yeah, well, maybe you, you, there's, there's, uh, there's there's a million sides to that comment. Yeah, um, uh, because the how little happens in a year, but because I'm with you on one hand, it feels like um, nothing's really changed. Yeah. Um, uh, but on the other hand, God Almighty, it's been such a tough year. Yeah. To get through. Um, uh, so many challenges to um to deal with and overcome on a daily bleeding basis. Um, that <laughs> it feels that like not much has changed, but on the other hand it feels that like we've climbed a bleeding mountain mm. and the and the summit's still nowhere in sight.
0: I guess when I'm saying it, I guess it's just like the issues that we were talking about. I guess they've only compounded really, but they're still the same issues. Um, so, so today, you know, we talked, I think just previously, uh, I think it was kind of like around Christmas time or before Christmas, I said to you, you know, the podcast we did last year was I think the most listened to one we did last year. Uh, and we were like, Oh, we should do another check-in. And at that time, you know, uh, things were going on and it was obviously a really hard time for the industry. And then as we've like gone into January January, and tried to, um, you know, find another time to do this, I don't know, man, like the, 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 brewer, the, the brewery news is just insane. The general yeah, hospitality th- news, are... like January is a pretty bleak month for kind of the hospitality business generally, but um, particular news has been pretty pretty hard i think i was thinking about it a lot of just kind of similar to covid where you know when when covid came around you'd know someone maybe like sixth hand who got covid and it felt very distant it felt kind of like it's this thing and it's lurking but it's 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 quite distant and obviously as time went on it kind of got closer and closer kind of feels like that with you know the news of breweries um struggling or going into administration it kind of felt very distant maybe like small cask breweries in norfolk or something kind Mm. of shutting up shop and then obviously you know the most recent one and and some you know these are friends now you know people whose businesses that we've worked alongside and cared about you know so the, the north news was just a couple of weeks ago um thankfully it 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 ended on a happier note, I guess if you could, yeah. than some, um, yeah. So it feels very, very close now. And very Doesn't personal, it? I guess.
1: Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, but unfortunately no massive shocks. I don't think, you know, you go back a year to the conversation that we were having, um, uh, about the challenges that the industry was facing. And the, I think the, the references we used back then were wild beer, um, yeah. uh, and I think the two that I was talking about, Wild Beer and Newtown Park, you know, it's like the very upper end of the scale, like someone who is, was part of the very early days of the, you know, wave one of craft beer breweries coming through in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of it, Newtown Park, who were a you know year and a half old, something like that, you know, going to the wall. Um, and here we are a year later, you know, North, certainly I'm with you, like Christian, um, John, good, good. I, think I was going to say good friends there. The you know, the, the fact that they're good friends is fairly irrelevant other than the emotional um, contact that then has for us. But the thing for me, they're, they're good operators, mm. great brands, good operators, professional people. Um, and it really does give you like a seismic shock, certainly through my myself um, as to um, the You can make good decisions, run a good business um, and just be caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, Um, wrong financing, Um, maybe the investment falls through, Um, something happens at the wrong time um, that leaves you with a tide out um, and you with no armbands on um, and over the company goes. Um, uh, Yeah, really, really shocking and very, very sad to see
0: yeah, I saw something on um, on Twitter which was kind of referencing this really, which was that you know the initial waves of, waves of closures were kind of um, again kind of what I was talking about, maybe like at the, at the fringes or people that weren't like were weren't making much profit, so like anything that goes up just just pushed them over the edge. But then he would say, now you're seeing you know established, I think he was talking about restaurants like restaurants and eateries that have been operating for years and. Would have been, and should be good businesses, um mm-hmm. now closing. You know that that that's that's <coughs> where it's kind of got to, um, and I'm really thinking hard about how we try and not make this just like a a, a misery <laughs> podcast. Uh, I just want want to make it relevant. I guess it's trying to catch up, trying to see the issues, and then kind of maybe maybe we can. You know, look into the crystal ball of how we see, um, how we see things shaping up because yeah. it definitely feels like there's. Uh, maybe we should call this like podcast the Great Consolidation because there's some really interesting stuff happening, especially with breweries where their their ownership is getting tied up into one kind of central uh, figure. Oh, I'm oh. really fascinated how that's going to play out.
1: Yeah, because you, you do look at the um, the two uh, quite big bits of news in the craft beer, and that, certainly our section of the craft beer world over the last two weeks, and it's been North Brewing yeah, um, uh, with their um, administration um, and in parts out of administration by a um, big player in the craft beer, scene, Kirkstall. Um, but then the other side, uh, Wylam Brewing up in Newcastle, um, yeah. being merging being bought by um whatever happened there you know with a big pub chain um uh, so ceasing to be um, a, selling the the ownership structure that you know we know um and i've, and I've been associated with with um, with dave um uh, And um, I, I've no doubt that that is going to be part of the, you know, the the coming um, year. But you you look at the, you know, before before going forward, look at you know the backwards, um, uh, and look at the challenges that we've all faced over the last year, um, um, and relating to the conversation that we had um, a year ago. Because I went back and listened to that after you told me about the podcast being well listened to. Through last year, I went back and listened to our conversation. It was really, um, was really, um, what's the word for it? I interested. I guess the the sorts of things that we talked about had really played out in reality. I think Mm -hmm. Um, you'd seen a lot of um, a lot of uh, seemingly good businesses in the front end um, who um, were being handicapped by uh, debt and loans that they'd um, picked up through the pandemic. Um, but that was exacerbated i think the 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 last year certainly within because you know the the what i can communicate today and I, I, you, you'll be the same maybe maybe you're in a more educated position because you're out there running this podcast talking to maybe people in more in-depth manners than than i am but certainly what i can talk about is our experience with left-handed giant um and the bars over the last year um And certainly the the scale of the impact of inflation into the business. Um, Why we talked about that a year ago, I I had no idea of the extent of how that was going to impact us over the last year. And that's top to bottom, you know, from um, from production um, through to. Costs in the bars, um, a, through to um, challenges in revenue and people spending less certainly through the back end of the year, leading up to Christmas. So that real boom time we would have expected through the um, the back end of the year, really not having that at all. Um, and I think that you know it's, it's speculation, but I think that was purely down to uh, people viewing Christmas, people viewing their bills um, uh, going through the roof, knowing they have to save money, um, and then just being much more conscious of where they spend money. Um, uh, you know, costs going going up in the background, so margin being depleted in the background, um, revenue um, uh, not increasing certainly, um, in some instances decreasing, um, and just being you know the the business's finance is being pinched in the centre there. <clears throat> so certainly, I had you know I had no no expectation of the level in which that was going to impact us through two thousand and twenty three. Um, uh, so um, certainly, 2023 for left-handed giant was a far different year to what I expected. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, in that we coming out of the pandemic, I thought, you know, I think I said last year as well you know, um, that we've got a good business. We've got, you know, we've got a growing business. We've got a business of post-profit. Um, uh, when I talk to people around the industry, I think it's, um, in fact, there's probably a, there's probably a point to talk about later in the in the conversation about I uh, the. Pos- position of i think most people i talk to which is loss making mm-hmm. um and um, the the where the industry the the industry within the scale that we set at i.e small producers um have found themselves um and in the inability to make a profit um but we with a bunch of bars in our uh, within our um a uh, operation um are make good profits um but even within good profits Going through last year, it became very apparent that um, once we take those profits, pay our tax, um, uh, pay interest um, on the mortgage primarily for, for the two different uh, buildings that we own, um, uh, and then have minimal capital expenditure, like we bought a centrifuge last year, um, uh, trying to offset some of the um, the losses, uh, uh, an increase in uh, costs in the supply chain by increasing efficiencies. So bought a centrifuge um, and bought a Kegeline. Um, I and once we've made those two um, pieces of capital expenditure, 150, maybe 200,000 pounds after installation, you know, all all in uh, buying those bits of kit and installing them into the brewery, uh, maybe 200,000 pounds. You essentially left with nothing. Um, there's no there's no cash accumulation in the business whatsoever. Um, and that's for the business like ours which is which is relatively um a profitable um like I, th- I think we've got a very good solid business making good profit and i look at our bank account and it is just sitting static um, and then you look at that and you think we need to we need to do something to allow mm-hmm. us to either make more money um uh, to drag the profit upwards um uh, or do something that allows us to make more profit from the liquid that we are producing. Um, but each of those actions, I think in real realistically, we need to take both those actions, make some more money to take actions that um, increase our revenue, and also take actions that will uh, make our equipment more efficient to allow us to uh, make more money off the liquid that we do produce. So we've got to take both those actions. Um, but um, the reality is both require money they inquire require um, uh, cash to be spent um, to allow us to take those actions um, and we're in a position where we can accumulate cash so how do you um, how do you take those actions um, uh, without taking debt because debt that's um, never a you know a, a great thing you know, certainly in the world we lived in with um, very 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 low interest rates debt was a uh, was um was an option but now debt's not an option you know, the cost of debt right now um would wipe out any benefits that that those actions took um so you'd be maybe getting bigger um, theoretically increasing your uh, profit margins um but at the same time you' you're adding a chunk of debt repayments into it so you're still due back where you started just working harder <laughs> in exchange for it. um uh, so um so we found ourselves in a position sort of like May, June, looking at it being like we can see our margins just being just being every month you're losing, a you're losing a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we can see our inability to increase our sales price, um, uh, our inability to do anything to increase our revenue meaningfully. Um, uh, so we took the decision to sell some shares in our business. Um, oh, really? To, yeah, to, to, to try and bring some cash in to allow us to take those actions without um, without bringing debt in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, uh, and um, allow us the, ca- the capital to um, be able to spend um we've been dead lucky we, we got a really really solid response from our uh it's obviously we raised um, funds in 2018 via crowdfund so we've got 1500 investors um, and um, we went out to the um uh, people who put in five thousand pounds or more um are a shareholders and all the rest are b shareholders same same rights from a um, distribution dividends perspective Um, But from a voting perspective, that's the only difference between the A and B shareholders. Um, So we went back out to our A shareholders and just sent a very polite email and said that we're looking to um, sell some more shares in the business. Um, This is why, um, you know, a a detailed overview of essentially what I've just said here. Um, uh, And um, uh, that we need to bring some more cash into the business to allow us to be where we all want us to be. Um, and we got a really, really positive response from those investors, and um, managed to bring in um, the money that we required, um, just from the existing shareholders in the business. Um, all people that are have been part of the journey, who are bought into what we are, who we are, why we are, um, have not had to go out to a wider, um, a, to a wider platform, or um, worse, into a corporate environment, um, and raising funds from private equity um venture capital farms those sorts of things um and um uh, allowed us to bring a bunch of money into the business to um, open a couple of new bars um and take a bunch of actions in the brewery that will allow us to um to be more efficient um uh, to, to claw back some of the margin um that we um that we've seen disappear through 2023 um all that being said um fair bit of Chat there, which I hope I didn't bore everyone to death with, um, but um, the headline being um, that we had to take like significant, meaningful actions in 2023 to allow our business to um, uh, to 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 exist to a degree. You know, we weren't we weren't losing money; we weren't likely to fall into administration. Um, but certainly I can I could see the writing on the wall the the track of trajectory with the, our depleting decreasing margin there would be a point that can only go on for so long before <laughs> you've run out of margin so um, you were trying to so what you were, you, trying to,
0: you were trying to preempt what you yes. saw coming down the, the way so you took yeah so you exactly. saw equi- equity in the business to effectively fund efficiencies and um, I guess And growth. And growth. But growth on the the bar side rather than on the yes. brewery side because, again, Precisely. the best way for you to sell your beer is through establishments that you...
1: That's that, that certainly yeah. our um, opinion, um, which has only been strengthened by the challenges of the last, uh, certainly, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, you watch, the, you look at the... Um, the increasing competition um, in the wholesale marketplace to try to sell beer into bars, bottle shops, wholesalers um around the UK. And you look how difficult that is compared to how, you know, the world that we exist in 2019, um, where we used to send an email through to a wholesaler or a bar and be like, this is the beer we've got available. Um uh, I, in fact with wholesalers, we used to send them literally a, an order. We'd say, This is the order we've got ready for you. Um let us know when you want it. <laughs> and they would Send an email back saying, "Yeah, but deliver it when you know whatever day they wanted." Uh, but rarely do we have someone reply and say, "Don't send that pallet." I'm sure you had that experience mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas whereas 2023, um, if I tried sending an um, email to a wholesaler saying, "Here's the order I've got ready for you," um, I doubt I'd even get a reply. They'd be laughing that hard in
0: the office. <laughs> um, uh- <laughs> So I, I feel like this is this is maybe a good point to just talk about where craft beer is as a whole. You know, maybe maybe that craft bit has kind of fallen off and it's just beer now, if that makes sense, in the fact that, you know, there is... I think we talked about this last time and I'm pretty sure I talked about it with Adam from Verdant. It's like, it's more ubiquitous, you know, Beaver Town got bought by Heineken. You can walk into any bar up and down the country in small tiny towns in the northeast to down on the south coast and there's probably going to be a craft beer offering or a craft beer offering um and it, it is you know, we're going to nostalgia mode here, but, you know, because we always used to hang out, you know, we all went to San Sebastian together and ran the Bilbao half, me, you and John and Christian. And there's a lot of excitement it, it back ages. then. Yeah, it was good times and a lot of excitement about the industry and what we were doing and what was going on. Um, you know, if if you look at, again, craft beer, Uh how do you view it now? Like, how do you view the public's appetite for it, and how it's generally thought of in the uh, in the common zeitgeist?
1: Yeah, there's certainly my experience in the uh, in the bars is that um, uh, we have. I guess we've got to what we always wanted to be, um, but it's not. Quite the promised land that we all hoped. It's <laughs> like so it's like a craft beer is now like uh, like you don't have to persuade people to um, uh, to buy into it now. You don't have to persuade people of the value of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back at the start, of small bar, um, small bar's tenth birthday was today, December uh, just uh, just gone. Yeah, um, so that bar's been going ten years. The the difference in the landscape that exists between when we opened the doors there to now is is incredible. Um, uh, You know, we opened the doors there and it really was persuading people of what this was, why it was, what made it different, why it was higher value, why it tasted the way it did. Um, Whereas now, the guys rarely have those conversations. Um, uh, And it's not because we don't care. Um, It's because the customers are not... Um, uh, necessarily there always there's a percentage you know that's a, there's always a there's a niche there of people that will be asking questions mm-hmm. but the majority are are um educated they know what it is why it is um uh, so those conversations are just not necessary um uh, and um, but, uh, I digress slightly there um the point being that um, a, there there is an availability of craft beer um, all over the place. So it's 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 niche speciality is um dilated And um, a place like small bar um do not have the um niche and speciality vibe that it once had because you can walk into um the old fish market around the corner um uh, and um uh, you'll find Beaver beavertown um, um Camden Pale. Um those kind of things. On the seventy-five percent of people will just use craft beer, and um, they won't know who owns it. They won't know um, the background of it. They'll just see a cool brand and a good tasting beer and um, drink it and enjoy it. Um, uh, so that kind of you know it, it dilutes and challenges the world that we live in because we are operating a small independent business that um, has higher overheads, mm-hmm. um, is investing into the ingredients, um, which does incre- increase the experience. Um, if you care to notice, um, be a 75% of people I think um, probably are not caring to notice. So, that tasting a um, Beaver Town neck oil um, versus maybe one of the, our Sky Above, for instance, um, I suspect the 75% of people won't see um, a major difference between those two products. But then the other side to it is that, um, without doubt, over the last year, there has been. I am increasing people's sensitivity to price. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so then um, I'm not surprised, um, uh, you know, I've, I've had, I, I look at what we've had to do with our pricing over the course of the year to, um, uh, to I was gonna say um, to keep up with, we've not kept up with inflation, we've not anywhere near kept up with inflation, um, but we've pushed our pricing as high as we can. I'm chasing inflation um, before we've got to a point where we think that if we put it any higher, we'll um, we'll endanger our business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we've had to increase our pricing. Um, nowhere near in line with inflation, um, but it's now at a point where it is significantly higher. Um, uh, we're making less money off that, so definitely a higher price. Um, and I'm not surprised <laughs> that some people walk into the pub and look at the prices on the board and think to themselves.
0: <laughs> it's, such <a> <laughs> it's such a counterintuitive thing, isn't it, to be... Hiking prices and making less money just feels like such a yes. kind of crazy world. Yes. But that's yes. where
1: we're at. You're you're on on a on a treadmill, um, uh, and it's going a bit too fast, and you're approaching the 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 fall off point at the back. Um, uh, but um, so I'm not surprised that some people um, choose to either drink at home, um, or um, or go to withers. God mm. forbid. Um, uh, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I can see. I look at what's happened to my mortgage in the last year. Um, we had to renew our mortgage in um, in November, um, and, um, and and it's, it's horrendous. So you know, you you, you look at that um, being reflected down through the um, the world. You know, I'm, I'm not surprised that people are more price sensitive. See, I think definitely the craft, you know, the craft beer scene. The perception of craft beer has been affected by both the um, a, the consolidation or purchasing of um, good craft brands. Um, a, who have then made their way into the wider market. Um, you know, Camden, Beavertown. Brewdog you could probably in, include in that as well, actually. You know, they mm-hmm. not that they've been bought, um, but they are everywhere and they are cheap. Um uh, so um, you know, definitely, you know, you've got this this option over there which is perceived to be um a, sorry, perceived in the in, in the in the instance of um Beaver Town and Camden is independent, independent in the instance of brewdog. Um, but um, but in all instances uh you've got a um cool um a a craft brand um, which is significantly cheaper than if you walked into track or left-handed giants taproom. Um, so people have options that um, don't necessarily involve paying a premium um, but still getting to their mind the same experience yeah. um so um so yeah it's not it's not exactly the promised land that we hoped we would find when a
0: craft, Became accepted by the by the um, mainstream. So it's it's so fascinating, isn't it? What this does to kind of um, we'll go we'll go into to, to business business chat here, but I, I don't know. I hope it's interesting for the what <laughs> for the wider audience because <laughs> um, it is. I just find it fascinating. Just I guess like just the economics of it, but you know, for a while there, there was without doubt some breweries and some people who set up breweries with the idea of selling it, you know, it's just a business. It, it's a, it, it's a model of entrepreneurship that is uh, as old as time. And, and, you know, if you do achieve that, then I guess you've achieved success. Now, obviously in our industry, we're co- it's quite a fiercely independent um, market yeah. and always has been, which is kind of what's great about it, you know? Um, but how do you see you know breweries that do you see breweries getting bought in the same way that say beaver town so we keep referencing beaver town but they they were a real success <laughs> really you know <laughs> they were a real yeah. success they sold for an incredible amount of money um you know and you're looking now at breweries that had uh, so I'm going to name a few this is going to go kind of the, like speculative niche but like Briel the Briel investment group have bought like yes. uh brew by numbers, brick purity and black sheep. Um And by all accounts, you uh, know, they- well,
1: I to, to be fair, it's sorry, Stefan to jump in there. They bought yep. out of administration. Out of
0: administration.
1: Them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you've got, a, I think you've got a really important addition into that sentence um, because it's not like either, any of them were in a position where they were um, uh, doing well, I and speculatively sold their business to um, to uh, retire. Uh, every one of them were in um, grave difficulty. I, uh, I who who was actually there was one in there, I think. And uh, uh, you said, um, "Brew by numbers, Brixton." bricks No, uh, it's uh,
0: brick. Sorry, I uh, brick. Sorry, brick. brick.
1: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, uh, purity. And black sheep. Black sheep, not sure. on black sheep, um, as yeah. so I'm saying that they are. But, but I know that the uh, Breels. Um, I think their mo is to uh, pick up in administration. So I'll, I'll um, uh, put my hands in there and say black sheep. I'm not sure, but I think um, they. Uh, I think
0: yeah. I'm pretty sure black sheep were in administration. Went into uh, administration um, as well. It would. Um, yes, yeah, it certainly
1: it, seems to be their mo.
0: Yeah, what I was kind of saying is that yeah, coming back round to that is obviously yeah, they, they weren't bought as. I really want to say this carefully because they, were, uh, they weren't they were successful, profit- profitable companies at that point that they got purchased. But yes. but then I guess, does that put the valuation sense of what a brewery is? Does that change the outlook of what it is? Or do you think that if someone was going to buy a brewery, um, they would be looking at the numbers and if it's profitable, then that would dictate the price?
1: Yeah, it's got to, doesn't it? I mean, it's got yeah. you know, you look at the, the world we lived in, uh, prior to the pandemic, and it was a bit like the dot com bubble, um, where the um, uh, the value of a brewery was determined not by its assets and its profit, but by a a cool factor that was um, a a a bit undeterminable by an accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it would be down to the um, the shareholders in the first place to um, persuade the buyers of how much. Value hype, cool. There was in there, um, Whereas that, I don't. Surely that doesn't exist now, yeah. Um, I don't know, um, but you look at the um, brew by numbers being a really great example. Like they are a cool, hypey brand, um, and Braille can pick them up out of um, administration for, um, for peanuts, peanuts, um, yeah. and have a cool hypey brand. And North actually, I mean, I'd, I'd be, I'd be really interested to, to know um, what the deal was there because I. I mean, there's, uh, I, I'm completely speculating, but I would I, I really, sincerely doubt there'd be a great deal of value in that deal. It would be trying to clear secured um, debt in the background. Um, I, I would guess that unsecured debtors would be, um, F getting anything, getting something on the pound, um, and the shareholders would be getting nothing. I mean, that's my that's my assumption. Um, so, uh, Kirkstall, um, or the, or the owner of Kirkstall, I'm not sure whether it's the business entity or the person that's taken the, um, the business of administration, but whatever, um, uh, we'd be taking, you know, a, a great, uh, one of the UK's, UK's coolest craft brands, mm-hmm. um, a, one of the UK's most hypiest craft brands with, um, supermarket, um, listings, um, uh, with them um, present to the length of the UK um, for peanuts, um, so why on earth would a competitor look at <laughs> look at a high co brand um, and pay the kind of number that they were um, spending on it? Um, Proud the time? it just wouldn't happen. I don't, I don't think um, it would surprise me to see it. Um, yeah, it's so yeah, certainly, certainly the landscape is the the landscape's changed um i think you know you look at what's happened with um, with wylam and i suspect that that's the kind of deal that you'll see uh, more and more um where you've got a you know a good pub chain and we can clearly see value in having uh, brewery production as part of their business and they merge yeah um, and again I, you know i don't know the ends and outs of the deal there but i would imagine that there's been some money changed hands and there'll be some shares in the pub company um, transferred to the shareholders of wylam Um, uh, So they're getting value as a shareholder of the um, company going forward and they'll get some cash in their hands so they they get to move out of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, speculation, I don't know. Um, But, um, you know, rather than getting 50 million pounds in their back pocket, like um, um, uh, founders of breweries that would have, uh, you you know, the ones we've already mentioned, uh, would have got, um, uh, it'd be much more likely that, um, you know, the smaller number um, and it's much more in tune with the assets and profitability of the business, along with shares in the company going forward. So they've got some uh, value going forward, uh, much more likely. But I think the first part of the question was like the, um, you know, has the perception towards selling changed? Um, uh, and um, uh, you know, certainly before the pandemic, um, uh, when the world was rosy. Um, and it was possible to make good profit out of a small independent craft brewery. And we're all enjoying ourselves going to festivals on a weekly, monthly basis. Um, And I saw people that were um, selling out. Um, I definitely could see the... I I looked at that from a very cynical perspective, Um, whereas um, there's a number of um, our friends um, who have sold... um, or had to sell or voluntarily sold over the last um year um uh, harbour for instance i um, selling to 49 to st austell um oh, eddie's yeah, been a friend of, about that one yeah. yeah eddie's eddie's been a friend of mine for for many many years um i was i, I met him prior to them selling any beer um when i was running a wholesale company back then um, and when that happened i sent him a text message and um, told him um, well done congratulations you know it's like uh i just can't see that you know I, I can see his thought process you um, uh, and um, uh, i can feel the challenges of um of what the world that what the industry is going through mm-hmm. um and um and he found a good deal for himself and again with dave up a while and same thing with um when they uh when they merged um with that uh, pub company i sent a message and said you know congratulations um, sorry, my um, my, um, my uh, not my desire to do it ourselves, I would um, hasten to add here. Uh, but certainly my um, sense of a uh, what's the word for it? My um, uh, I guess annoyance. You know that like undermining the industry. I think that's how I felt before the pandemic. It was mm. like, uh, and there's probably multiple parts to unpack about that side. It was like uh, I felt um, that we had we had a responsibility collectively. Um, to buy the customer into um, a, these small independent businesses to allow the customer to trust us as a small independent business who had ethics at the front of what we were doing. Um, and each time one of us sold to a big competitor it undermined that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I felt I felt I feel that was a bad thing. Um, uh, but um, there's probably, as I said, there's, there's multiple parts to unpick about that because it happened so often, I think the customer's trust has been undermined um, uh, and um, uh, by extension, you know, when when Wylam, for instance, announced their merger, um, I didn't even hear a, I didn't hear a word of um, negativity towards that. No. Um, Harbour is a good example. Actually, you'd forgotten about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but again i guess there's uh, and and maybe this is just the uh, the the way that like emotions are tr- triggered is that you're generally looking for a certain name in there that you know from Anheuser-Busch to, to yeah. Heineken or something and they they, they stir certain emotions but St. Austell you know it feels like a a cask you know yeah big yeah. brewery yeah. that that's that's still Relatively um, engaged with ind- what we do. I mean, you
1: they, know? They, they are they are independently owned. Um, they're yeah. still owned by the same family. Um, so there, you know, there is some um, heritage there, and there is some um, some some end. You know, it's a, they're a big business. So, you know, the yeah. independence there. I guess you could say. Um, uh, uh, they're certainly not um, internationally owned. Um, yep. uh, so, you know, they're, they're UK based, UK owned, which is nice. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, but it's but just, um,
0: there is just a landscape shift, isn't there? Like, you know, yeah. Mikola for instance, just sold 20% to uh, yes. Carlsberg. Um, yes. Obviously, Mikola had some contentious issues going on for a while that were very much, you know, out there. Uh, but just such an interesting, you know, landscape now to see 20, like Carlsberg buying 20% of Mikkela. Mikkela, one of the yeah. most creative and innovative you know, yeah. breweries uh, out there for a long time and their festival being, you know, a highlight yeah. of craft beer. And I guess that just, that, that is a real testament to where we're at now.
1: Yes. Is the- yeah, you're, that's a, it's a good summary, a real landscape change that we're yeah. all having to find our journey within mm-hmm. um, and find how that, how we can make that work within our own business. Um, and actually, you know, that's the, I guess that, I guess that, you know, when I send those messages to Eddie Harbour, Dave, while I'm saying congratulations, I guess that's where my, where I've ended up being. It's like uh, there's an acceptance that we can't all just keep doing what we're doing
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it doesn't work. You know, you, mm-hmm. you've got to, there's got to be some change in how you approach your business to allow it to be, to thrive into the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for some people, that will be finding who they can either partner with or sell to, to allow them to have that future. They may look at it and go, you know what, um, particularly with Eddie and um, with Dave, they're, they're both, um, they'll be 10, 15 years older than me. If I'm insulting either of them, I apologise. <laughs> I think they are. Um, uh, you know, they've been at it for a lot longer. Um, and um, and I know, I know I feel fatigued um so you know I, I can't look at that and judge them you know it's like uh, i can only look at that and be like you know what guys i can see that i can see the challenges that you've been facing i could see that you've made a educated decision as to the strategy that you're going to employ to take this forward um, and that has been it so congratulations on pulling that together and making it work um uh, And others of us will have to figure out how to mature our businesses within the current landscape, within the current costs, within the current challenges to ensure that it's profitable. Because I'll tell you that one of the really interesting things that I've found over the last year has been um, talking to um, uh, as many people as I can um, uh, about our finances um, uh, and trying to get feedback as to what other people's finances are. Um, because i think that's important it's like uh are are we all struggling um, or are we doing something wrong and the reality is everyone's struggling and the, the reality is um that most people are struggling far worse than than
0: we um, as in my business are just on this next bit we had a slight technical glitch so my audio shifts to the zoom audio rather than the mic'd audio um bear with us on that Uh, but you are listening to track marine co presents the first time and this is our interview with bruce gray okay where were we god knows (laughs) (laughs) we just had a little bit of a technical fault but uh but we're back um i think bruce you know whilst let's stay on the speculation area for now. The Briel thing's really interesting, uh, because, and, and, and to be honest, Harbour, Wylam, and now North really, it, it is a consolidation. And I remember when the new duty things came in for us as breweries, and there was talk of, from, from like bigger family run breweries about purchasing smaller breweries. And I was like, well, no one's just going to like be doing that at this point. Um, but it's kind of played out like there's a lot of consolidation. Um, And I was talking to Sam, like owner here, Sam about it, whether it almost becomes like this Diageo list where someone just, there's just a company that oversees huge swathe of various different products. How would you view, let's just focus on one, because obviously we can, can lose ourselves to it, but like, how would you, View what Breel are doing. Is it just like standard uh, investment one hundred and one, which is buy, buy cheap, sell high? I, I, um, uh, yeah,
1: I, and uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't really know how I feel about it. To be honest, you know, the good brands and there's people there um, uh, who hopefully will have their jobs maintained because the brands um, continue to exist. So it's like what's the alternative? Um is the the you know brew by numbers, let's go with that. Like the shut down, leases are dissolved, um, the equipment is um is uh, sold um and um, any cash that's left goes back to shareholders um, debtors, um, and debtors, um, and and that's the end of that. Whereas at least in this world, um the brand and the people maintain a uh, some level of input although um i would be very surprised not to see them centralize those operations you've got this four brands now um and um you know they've got a a big brewery at a black sheep um i'd be very surprised if you didn't see the beer being produced for all four uh, maybe there um uh, or one of the other sites um, so probably people are going to lose their jobs regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's it. You know, it's like, um, I don't know how I feel about it. It's a, um, a, it's a um, perfectly understandable action in the marketplace. Um, they're sitting there looking at it being like, you know, if they pick up more than one, there's efficiencies to be had each time they take that action. Mm-hmm. Um, and each time they pick up another for peanuts, they're gaining a um, further chance that one of them is going to be able to be sold to a large competitor. Um, and they'll recoup back, um, you know, significantly more than they've invested in, in anyone one individually. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's it's interesting to watch. Um, but um, I have to say, when I, I when North went through their process um, and came out the other side, I breathed a sigh of relief that it wasn't mm-hmm. a it wasn't corporate investment either, real um, or someone like that. And actually, it was a a independent a local individual who was most likely to add the thing, you know, with um, with the brands that Braille have picked up, is there any sense of care for the brand, the people, um the ethics, uh the quality, um uh, the um uh, what the what the brands were at foundation? And the is no. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I don't know that. Um, but I know these people. Um, I, you know, I know the kind of people they are. I yeah. can tell you they know. What they care about is how fast and how effectively they can scale up the volume of those brands before they flip them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reality. Um, and probably, you know, if anyone's out there thinking of buying those cans, thinking of supporting those businesses because they still exist, they should bear that in mind. Um, whereas um, with North, it's been bought by um, a I another I'm a local independent business owner. I'm someone who knows the people that run the business I'm someone who cares about the business and cares about the people that own the business people who work in the business and it's got the best possible chance of maintaining its um ethics um against to quality um, and, um, and you know what it what it was and mm-hmm. what hopefully it is um, as it possibly can have. Um, uh, whereas when you let those corporate entities into it, uh, I, I fear you're on a you're a downward spiral to the point that um, it's been diluted so far that it's unrecognisable to what it was, or it's flogged to a big competitor. and It's diluted further from an ethics perspective.
0: Yeah, because I understand, you know the you know the buying cheap aspect. They've they've obviously seen these as opportunities and they buy them cheap, but the actual running cost of a brewery is not a cheap thing um, from staffing to just raw materials. Yeah. So it feels like there is no way that an investment group would operate four separate breweries with four separate sets of staff to produce it. Like, and and sorry, it's obviously, it's a bit of a dour conversation, but there's just no way that money doesn't work that way. Does it? Like if, if someone's investing in something, it's generally too, Make it more efficient in whatever way yeah. it is. And that could be from people to just like production. Yeah. Um yeah I just want to define some terms as well. Um, because you you know this way better than I. And I know that it's not a singular term, but but what does it mean when a brewery goes into administration?
1: I may uh... I'd hasten to add that I have never taken a business into administration, Stefan. So <laughs> thanks for assuming I'm an expert. <laughs> um, uh, but um, uh, my understanding, certainly, um, uh, is there's a company who takes um, a, a control of the operations um, uh, and the assets um, uh, in order to find a resolution that can best... Um, a, uh, I uh, satisfy the debts of the business. Um, And that will be, the the, the painful thing is normally um, they will look at the uh, secured debts um, rather than the unsecured debts. So secured debts being normally bank loans, mortgages. um, So they'll look at those as being the things that are important. um, And we'll try and find a solution, either a sale of um, the business and the brand as a going concern, um, or of the assets, the they'll the literally liquidise the business assets um, and the sale of that liquidation, then all that cash goes to um, paying off debt. Um, but normally in those circumstances, the people that are looked after are the bleeding um, corporate entities, so the banks in the background who have got um, debt into the business. And then the customers. um uh, uh, sorry, the suppliers beg your pardon. Um, the people who have sold things to the business—hops, um, malt, beer, whatever—are um, the people that are left um high and dry in the background. So the people mm-hmm. that are least able to deal with the loss of the money um, are the people that are normally asked to deal with it. Um, uh, but um, yeah, in the, in the best case situation, the administrators come in, they um, they facilitate the ongoing operations of the business until they find a sale of it. Um, as, a, as a going concern, someone else comes in and takes on the operations of it. Um, and in the worst case, the administrators come in um, and they discover that they can't find that first solution and they liquidise it. They'll sell a lot, you know, um, sell the tanks, uh, sell leases if they can, um, uh, sell whatever assets the business has and take that cash and then distribute it out to the, um, to the people that are owed money from the business um will not be in any way shape or form a pleasant process that's for sure and mm-hmm. um, no, no part of it you know the early part where the administrators and um, come in and uh, take control and begin the process never mind the situation in the back end of watching someone quench your business and Pick it to pieces and uh, take stuff off the auction. Um, I just, uh, yeah, when when I heard the news that uh, North were going into administration, um, it broke my heart a little. Thinking of uh, Christian and John dealing with that process.
0: Yeah, it's rough, man. Because again, like like we said in I think last year, we were talking about you know breweries maybe that we didn't know or didn't have relationships with, and now it's become very a, a very close reality, as it were, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. us. Uh, yeah, personally, right. um you know again but, they,
1: but you know they t- talking about um uh, consolidation talking about the uh, brio and um, buying those brewer talking loss making um uh, and um, the difficulty of making profits um, uh, the um I think the the small brewer I uh, scene um, uh, whether that's within the craft end of it or the cask end of it trad end of it, whatever. Um I think we're all we're all in the middle of a real um maturation phase. Yeah. Um, and it'll be you know it's gonna be a shrinking phase of the industry too. You know, we were up at three thousand breweries two thousand twenty-two, I think, uh, back down to two and a half thousand in the count in twenty twenty-three. I wonder where I'll be. When the count is tallied in 2024, a uh, guarantee is going down. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, um, I mean, if uh, we
0: just—I think I sent you a message. If we just use Manchester as a as yes. a as a little like petri dish of of looking at it, it's quite interesting. Manchester is really fascinating, actually, because I think I sent you a list of six. Bre- I used to always say to people when they came, I was like, "There's about ten or twelve breweries within a square mile of here." You know, it was like a really kind of bubbling place. uh, excuse the pun there, but like a bubbling place of activity and, and excitement. And a lot of those, you know, a lot of them were smaller. And then we just saw Squawk go the other week, which was really sad because that's kind of where I began my journey as well. And Ollie, I, I know really well. Um, six breweries closed in the last like five years, uh, but two have opened and, um, one of them being balance and one of them being sure, sure. There's probably more. I'm probably missing quite a few, but just on the list that I did. Um, But I think we talked about this last time as well. You know, like, do you see, you know, someone approaching this now to just open a brewery or get into this, it feels like there's a there's quite a high wall to to want to get over. To, you'd have to be very passionate to take this on right now. Or, or um, very passionate.
1: Passionate, um, very, very well connected and financially backed
0: or an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but like, I I believe that that passion can conquer, you know, like the passion, like if you Uh, conquer, if you, if you, if you are passionate about something and you can produce a product that is really good, then there's space for you. I, you know, I use, you know, beak, you know, a brewery I love, which is, it's quite interesting because actually Danny's had the beak going for, I think six years or something, but it was a gypsy yeah. kind of setup. but as an yeah. actual brewery, um, I think they set up basically when COVID struck, I think it was literally that, that was their first business year was COVID yeah. and they've come out the other side and they're, str- it feels like they've, you know, they've, they've done oh. the work and they've, they are Producing a quality product that they care about, and and there's lots of substance to them as a brand. That means that they can yeah. push forward, you know.
1: Very very professionally um, set up and executed from a brand um, and from a product perspective, though. Mm-hmm. Um, did the groundwork, and then when they when they really did hit the ground, they had the ground running. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was a time um, in the past in the craft beer scene where the supply and the demand were so out of kilter. Um, that you could get away with opening, and I look at Left handed Giant when we opened in 2015. The brand was awful. Um, the beers were all right, um, uh, but we, you know, we thrived. Um, yeah, uh, the, the demand supply was sort of out of kilter. That there was a there was a place for it. There was a place for our enthusiasm mm-hmm. to buy people into what the product was. Where I don't think that place exists anymore, and I think there's a real there's a real maturation a uh, point happening has been happening. Um, where people are having to take um, what potentially were uh, businesses that were um, loose. And I would include mm-hmm. ourselves in this, you know, loose um, and from an operations perspective um, uh, because there was margin available. Um, you never had the need to turn a microscope onto what you were doing um, and really try and professionalise ourselves, both from um, our efficiencies, how we make beer, um, our yields, um, the the labour going into producing that liquid, um, our costs behind that and um, throughout the supply chain, negotiation with um, suppliers, um, our costs and our leases, um, uh, really turning a microscope in every single part of our business and trying to figure out how we can claw some money back to ensure that we are in profit. Um, so it's a real, real maturation point. I think, you know, last year I was talking about really focusing on the things that you, you know, within stressful environments, within moving landscapes, economically um focusing on the things that you can control um and i think that there's nothing changed in that it's like uh you know now more than ever more than last year it's important that we focus on the things that we can control all the things that i've just mentioned um and focus on making sure that we're improving our businesses on a day-by-day basis and a year-by-year basis Mm -hmm. Um, because i guarantee you if you're not doing that if you're sitting in your um laurels Um, thinking that um, because you have demand, you'll continue to have demand. Because you have profit, you'll continue to have profit. There'll be some point in the future where those things will cease to be true. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll find yourself in the position that many other businesses are finding themselves currently, and that's um, a run out of cash administration um, being forced into sales um, or just ceasing to exist entirely. Um, So, yeah, there's that real the real maturation period we're having to go through where people are really having to look at their businesses and figure out um, how best to take them forward.
0: It's so fascinating how you just got me thinking then of just like the idea of us starting now. You know, w- we'd be gone within two years if that, you know, like the the ability to, I don't know, like we were smaller. Yeah, you make mistakes along the way. You didn't know, you know, I. I've used this analogy so much, but you know, like you're laying planks down as you're walking kind of yeah. thing. I think, like you said, if you were coming into it now, starting a business, you've already got to have the 10 years of experience that we've got yeah. just like right at the beginning, probably. Yeah. Cause there's just not, there's not those, there's not the forgiveness in the market, I guess that there, there might've been in the, the earlier uh-huh. days.
1: That's the summary, and that—that's how I feel. It's like uh, you know, I think the the forgiveness that um, that existed back um, in the early days of the craft beer wave um, it just don't exist anymore at all. It's a professional industry mm-hmm. with professional players within it,
0: and um, we were definitely not professional. <laughs> I, I fear still not is the problem.
1: I <laughs> know, um, uh, and, um, and if you if you come into it um, in the manner that um, lots this did back in the early days you'd just be eating alive um, now um and then um, find yourself taking the money that you put into it and um, losing it very 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 quickly um, but um there, you know I think there's you know to to try and turn to a positive side of it there is absolutely um, within every um business a time where you need to um stop being a startup um, stop um, um you know ducking and diving um, uh, stop laying planks uh, as you are uh walking mm-hmm. and start to lay three or four planks out ahead of you uh, planning a journey being proactive start to uh, look behind you uh, and lay foundation underneath you that you weren't able to at the time um and the the changes in the world over the last years the necessity to do those things i, I think is probably a good thing not that i'm enjoying it you know that's the you know I'm, I'm not enjoying the pressures we're under um but i think if i look at it if i look at it logically look at it unemotionally, i can say i think it's a good thing that we're all being forced to um to try and professionalize ourselves to try and um, look at our businesses to really try and focus on improving um, uh, what we are and how we do it um, uh, and um, uh, make ourselves more efficient um, and make ourselves more professional. Um, uh, because ultimately the stresses that we're going through just now um, with the economy will ease. Mm-hmm. and Those of us who survive through the other side of it will find ourselves in another boom time um, with extremely capable, strong businesses with strong foundations um, able to really thrive through that next period. Um, it's just a case of I, uh, I'm, uh, holding your breath and, and being as proactive as you possibly can through the current period. That's um, how I view it. You know, it's how I try and find the positivity within what's going on. Um, I know that the um, things that we're going through just now, you know, that slight the extra equity we sold this year, the additional money coming in, um, the improvements we're making towards the business um, are um, uncomfortable in the short term, um, but um, but really, really great things for the business in the long term.
0: Well, I I was wanting to start shooting for positivity. So that was a great kind of turn. Thanks, Bruce, for that. But no. I think I think that was, you know, again, they were the points that I really wanted to touch upon, which is that, you know, economics and... Basically, times go up, times go down. You know, I know that's a great simplification, but there will be ups and there will be down. And, you know, it's been a very uh, rocky road for sure, um, as it has throughout history. But there is... And I think you made a great point there is that you survived these points. And also with it comes opportunity of, I wonder how you view this, but, you know, being a specialized producer in three years' time, does that ha- have even greater value, you know, because so much has been consolidated um, and that that's kind of all amalgamated into this one kind of shapeless thing. Where you see kind of vibrant brands actually can uh, have greater draw because yeah, the wor- the world's become so much more dull. This is what I this this is my clinging to uh, uh, a <laughs> the positivity rocket. Um, yeah, just the value of that, and and the other bit is like the value of like God. I'm going deep down here, but like you know. In a digitized world, the idea of just sitting with friends and having a beer and something or, or gathering is actually a really beautiful and important thing that hopefully time will kind of carry and and, and and as we go through these downturns, maybe we'll shine a spotlight on how important it is or how great it is even more. Yeah, maybe. I certainly
1: <laughs> feel like the I certainly feel like the uh, I uh, future for us. Um, is without doubt within connection to our customers, and that's through our own taps. Yeah. Um, so it's like uh, the the further away you get, um, the less – so say we're selling our beer in Manchester on a tap. Um, uh, people that don't know us, um, uh, to any great degree certainly, um, and they look at the taps side by side and there is um, a uh, neck oil sky above. There's no – no meaningful point of difference for that person in Manchester between those two products. They're both art-led um, craft uh, beers. One's going to cost you £3.95 for a pint. The other's going to cost you £6.50 for a pint. Which one are you going to buy? Yeah, um, There's not a great deal. I don't know what I can do to change the opinion of that person that far away. But what I can do is, within the city of Bristol, really buy people into... Uh, The locality of the product, um, uh, the um, the ethics of it, the the sense the the freshness of it, um, uh, the sense that the pride of it, you know, there's something there that's produced within the city. Um, uh, We um, we're a B Corp now. We got our B Corp certification. Wow, um, that's amazing. Um, uh, We um, we um, operate to high standards of um, social environmental responsibility. We're carbon neutral um uh, these things that if you know us um uh, you I hope will be um, bought into and proud of and we can do that in the city of Bristol mm-hmm. um uh, and, and I suspect that we'll see uh um a real change in how you know you look at the craft scene craft beer scene before the pandemic and we were sending a beer all over the world it was like uh, you know the beer just flew um out. Um, I'm far away. We followed it, you know, we went to festivals, bars, tap takeovers all over the place. I think there'll be a real change of that in the years to come already. Um, uh, And you'll see um, uh, craft uh, breweries uh, becoming um, hyper-local, selling lots of products directly into, you know, 10, 20, 30 miles of the front door um, because the customers, the people that will care about it will be there. Um, uh, there will be the people who can see the brewery, who can visit the brewery. That, that's the people who'll will be willing to pay the premium. The people who'll will be willing to really buy into what the um, what the business is, and why the business is, um, uh, and um, and support it. Um, uh, and that's lucky because that's how we've been trying to um, operate our business
0: forever. I was, just, I was just about to say, it feels like the very foundation of what you guys set out to do, and what well, it's become way more apparent for us is that hyper-localization. You know, we we yeah. just won the, uh, just going to plug ourselves here, we won the Independent Drinks Producer of the Year for, for Manchester. And it was a real, like, we're, like oh, uh, we're an award-winning brewery now. Um, but the real realization, <laughs> you know, the thing that we're really lucky to have as, as, as us and Left-Handed Giant is that we're in two vibrant, brilliant, cities you know that really care and have a great sense of pride about the 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 produce the music the art the culture you know and i think we're in exactly the same boat as you were it's really just like this is our place and we really need to uh, you you summed it up so well and i haven't really thought about it like that but that neck oil and sky above in Manchester, like why, why would someone choose between those two? But like, if that's in Bristol, it's a whole different conversation. You yeah. know, it's Sonoma and neck oil in, in London or Manchester, it's two different conversations. Yeah. Um, and that's exciting. We- I think to become more ingrained in, in place is, is, is exciting and I, and it, and it just takes work. You know, you've got to build that community, I guess.
1: Yeah. And that's it. You know, you look at the, um, you look at, not that I'm trying to pick in Beaver Town here, but they are, uh, they're an obvious um, a example because I, I'm pretty sure neck oil is the uh, largest volume craft beer in the UK now. Wow. Um, so I, I said, so for just to use Emma's example, mm-hmm. um, you track, you're never going to beat neck oil. Left handed giant. We are never going to beat neck oil, but collectively, as a group, track in Manchester, left handed giant in um, Bristol, um, someone else in Newcastle, someone else in Liverpool, collectively as individuals, as independents in each city, we can beat Neck Oil our, in our own neck of the woods. And then yeah. collectively, you've got independent craft beer, which is the biggest seller within its own city. The length and breadth of the uk so mm-hmm. as a group collectively independent small independents, we could tackle those big guys um uh, as, a, as a group um, but it means focusing on your on your locality um but um but i do think that's the you know it's it's the it's the way to profitability mm-hmm. um from our own venues perspective you know the the additional margin um as well as alongside that my instinct tells me it's the way to um gain long-term sustainable um, uh my my revenue
0: yeah it just might not be at the scale that you know it's 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 of a scale isn't it that's the thing that i always think it's like it's of a scale you're not you might you're not going to get to you know a million liters of it a year but there's 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 there is a market to be had there like a a profitable market to be had there that, that supports that's your local it. ecosystem.
1: And a, and a market that you can rely upon for yeah. for a long time into the future. And I think that's the important thing for me, certainly. It's like, uh, I, how do you find um, a sustainable, reliable revenue um, without having growth just as your number one um, a target each year? Yeah. Um, without uh, further, further routes to market being your target. Not everyone can have that. There's too many players in the in the craft beer scene for everyone to be continually growing. Yeah. Um, uh, so how can you find that um, sustainable, reliable revenue um, uh, along with profit? Um, and I I think it's leaning into your local market um, and alongside um, your own taps, your your own routes to market. Yeah. Um, I, and also, you know, that's the you know for me, like that's the that is the real place of joy within the business mm-hmm. like watching people walk into our tap room into our brew pub um and engage with the team behind the bar and taste the beers um and maybe not go to pieces over like the the product itself um standing there with like a um, small one-third glass like swirling the glass and really um maybe not doing that just getting a pint and going back to the table and sit and enjoying it with friends and spending two or three hours in our place just having this thing as like part of their social interaction and just watching mm-hmm. them really enjoy it that's what I get like real joy from yeah. um, and um, you know you lose that the moment you put it in the can and send it to um, Norway. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah no i totally get it. it's the same same for our tap room seeing people come in and enjoy the beer or or out and uh, tap takeovers or something but that is a real joy and and and, and a beautiful part of of, yeah. of our industry okay bruce so you know we're going to schedule this for next january and oh, i'd love uh, to our next chat but if you uh in a in a short kind of a five minutes you know if we're sat here next January, looking back at the year, what what kind of thing do you think we're, we're going to have seen? I think
1: that the next year is going to be easier. Um, I, the stresses of the last, things have changed drastically 2020, 2021, I, with the pandemic and then 22, 23 with um, supply chain, inflation, everything. Um, and we've all had to really change pace, um, change focus, and um, it changed the way we're thinking, approaching our business to try and keep pace with that. Uh, and I have real optimism that 2024 is going to see a, a real um flattening of that and continual change um, and all the things that we've had to try and change try and amend within our businesses we can actually consolidate um and um, find a place of uh, of calm within that um and hopefully have 12 months of um of reasonably low stress trading um, that is my Sincere one. I'm saying that We're, we're opening um, a Four new venues In the next four months Wow um, Oh man this, So this, you guys this, are
0: really pushing
1: it Yeah um, and, it's, and So I'm leading that side Of it Open the venues And then Jack Is leading the Investment into the brewery So all the various different um, Projects that we're doing in The brewery To increase efficiencies mm-hmm. So we're really leading in In the next four months To both increase revenue And um, and Improve efficiencies um, uh, so, um, so they're, they're likely not going to be low stress um, uh, through the next four <laughs> months, certainly. Um, yeah, you've been uh, up there. You know, they they are all they are all actions that we're in control of, of. You know, they're all internal things that we are in the projects that we're undertaking. Um, the thing that I really hope that we'll see over the next twelve months is the lessening of the external impacts into our business. So, yeah. I think that's the thing that is. I don't think that is the thing that has really challenged everyone for four years now. It's been the fact that it doesn't really matter what we do within our own walls. Things are changing out there that are directly affecting what we do in here. And I really hope, I'm optimistic that 2024 will see a real lessening of that um, circumstance, a, a real lessening of the impact from things that people change out there impacting what we do. In here and we can all focus on uh, our own businesses and how we operate them, how best to operate them, given the changes that have happened over the last four years um, and find ourselves in a year's time having really um, found some platform stability uh, to confidently move forward
0: Well let's check in next January and we'll see if it's all good <laughs> And that's it Another episode done a huge thanks to Bruce for being such a guide on all things beer. Um, you may already know that you know we only recorded this episode a couple of weeks back uh, but so much has changed since then. Um, we said we're going to try and do this every year, so yeah, until next January <laughs> we'll see where we are then. Um, thanks so much for listening. hopefully we'll be back with another episode soon. Um, but as ever, stay thirsty.